Welcome to the Emerging Temple broadcast. I am Michael Obeyer. I will be your guide for the rest of this broadcast. At Emerging Temple, we seek to analyze current events within the context of God's plan for mankind, in which he intends, at the end of time, to raise up a people who will rule with him. Before I go any further, I want to encourage you to like our page, to subscribe to our channel, and if there is a notification bell icon, I would like you to hit that bell so you can be notified anytime we upload new videos. I want to encourage you to like this page so that we can develop the number of likes that we have so that we can come up in the rankings because we have a message that is critical for this hour and this time. So thank you so much for those of you who are already doing so. If you'd like to support our ministry, you can visit our website at templeoftruth.us. That's www.templeoftruth.us. Or you can go to patreon.com and look for our handle, Emerging Temple. Okay? We're also streaming now with the online radio platforms, um, including Spotify, iTunes, and Google Music. There's a few others. If you want to see the full list of radio stations through whom we broadcast, you can go to our website, templeoftruth.us. And I thank you so much for those of you who've been communicating with us, sharing with us um, your thoughts about our message. We're very encouraged to hear from you. Uh, many of you are watching us through the um, platform, I mean, hundreds of, through the platform of Facebook and WhatsApp, etc. cetera. And um, that doesn't necessarily uh, reflect on our accounts here on YouTube, but it doesn't really matter. If we reach one person, and we're able to help transform the life of one person and develop that relationship you have with God, man, we've hit a home run, okay? So it's not all about the numbers for us. It's about it's about the fact that God is using us and we're grateful that you'll find us worthy, you know, to, you know, to be used at this time and this hour. So okay. let's look at um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 to 17. Amen. Hold on. Amen. Amen. I don't know if all of us here have ever heard of something called the rapture. Yes. yes. You, everybody's heard about the rapture? Yes. Yes. Okay. What we're going to try to do today is one thing we understand is Everyone is expecting the coming of Jesus Christ. I mean, everyone who believes in Jesus. Is that not so? Yes. Yes. Okay. And there are so many different descriptions. When I was younger, I actually believed that Jesus was going to come into the sky one afternoon. And you would see him. You'd have like a white robe. And there'll be all these angels with wings flying. And, you know, he would, you know, whatever would happen after that, I didn't know. But that, that was the picture I had, okay? Now, some of us still have that kind of picture. Some have, have and I've had it a bit different. What we're going to try to do today is see what the scriptures itself actually says. Can I ask a question before I go any further, Okay. Hello, can you hear me? Yes. 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 What do you use to see? 
what would you say? Eyes. Okay, what else? Assuming it wasn't your eyes, what else would it be? Go ahead, Liz. Your heart. Your heart. Okay. Your okay. Mind. Very good. Very good. How about your mind? Yes. We all see with our mind. Uh, yes. Okay, we all see with our mind. We interpret it with our hearts, correct? Yes. So yes. let's take, for example, I ran into a belly at the Safeway shop. And I walked right past her. She said hi, and I didn't say a word. A belly, what would you think? That you probably didn't see me. Aha. You've made that judgment based on your heart, correct? Yes. Somebody else would have said, I had some reason I chose not to talk to you, correct? Yes. Now, yes. you might ask, why am I starting here when we're talking about the coming of Christ? Our understanding of the word of God is, de is determined by the disposition of our hearts. Are you with me? Yes. Our seeing, our, yes. our or better still, our understanding, is, our understanding is through our minds, yes, but we interpret it, like Liz said, through our hearts. Okay? So, do you remember mm -hmm. Jesus yes. said, Leave them. He has blinded their hearts lest they should turn to me and I should heal them. Do you recall that in the Bible, anybody? Yes. So Liz is right in that the place of interpretation is the heart. So today we're going to look at something that a lot of Christians hold and they're so certain that they can see it, but the reason they see it wrong is because our hearts are not right. What do I mean by that? Most of us are still dependent for, um, what's the word I'm looking for? N not appreciation. We look to human beings for validation. Hello, can you hear me? Yes. Okay. We look to people for validation. So guess what? If you look to me for validation, then I'm talking about spiritual validation now. Then your sight, your understanding of God will be limited by my understanding of God. Is that correct? Do you understand what I mean? So, so you have a telegram, sure. you have a tele, sorry, say that again. I'm not sure I understood what you said. Okay. If, imagine My, I'm, a I'm, a, I'm a televangelist and you think, right. you think so highly of me. Okay. I'm the man of God. 
Um, now I understand what you said. Very good. So, unconsciously, your understanding of God's capabilities and God's word will be limited to my interpretation. You will see things the way I see things. And often when I run into you, you will say, my pastor said, my pastor said, my pastor said, or we believe that, we believe that, we believe that. Correct? Correct. Now, I want to say something to you. Each and every one of us has or ought to have a unique, distinct, and personal relationship with God and an understanding of him. Are you with me? Yes. Amen. Now, now if you study the Old Testament, you will find that God used certain names like Jehovah Rapha. Correct? Everybody heard that yes. name before? Yes. Yeah. Has anybody ever heard the name El Shaddai? Yes. Now, there's so many names. Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Rapha, El Shaddai, Jehovah Sikenu, and so on. What you need to understand is these names came from different individuals at different times based on some aspect of God they had come personally to learn. Can I say that again? Yeah. These names yes. come, at, if you go to your Bible, you will, you will see, because it's in English, you won't see the word Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Rapha, and all of these things, correct? You will just see God, Lord God, great God, whatever, right? But yes. when you read it in the Hebrew language, that's where we get these terms, correct? Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Rapha, and so on. But what, how did those names come into the scriptures? They came into the scriptures because each individual, that when it was Abraham, God revealed himself to Abraham as El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one, correct? Yes. Then... Um, when he revealed himself to Moses, he told Moses, by my name, such and such, they have not known me. Okay? I can't remember which one it was at that point. Now, all these people, Moses, Abraham, Elijah, none of them knew God to the extent that any one of us on this call right now knows God. Can I say that again? Yes. All these yes. great people you hear about in the Bible, Abraham, Moses, Elijah, John the Baptist, none of them knew God to the degree that you know God. Amen. 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 Because none of them could dare call him what? Father. Father. <laughs> okay. They would have killed you 
if you had called God what? Father. Father. Uh, but does anybody need to convince you that God is your father, Liz? No. No, I, you just take it I for granted. I totally think that. Yes. But, and a good father. And a good father, okay? And you just, these guys never had that. So guess what Jesus said when he came here? He said, of all men born by women, none was greater than who? Hello, Bible students. Abraham. He said none was greater than John the Baptist. Oh, John the Baptist. He said, but the least, the smallest in the kingdom of God is greater than who? John the Baptist. John the Baptist. Is everybody following here now? How many people here are in, yeah, are in the yes. kingdom of God? How many people here are in the kingdom of God? I am. Oh. All of us, correct? Yes. Jesus said... All of us, yes. Exactly. Jesus said the least of us is greater than John the Baptist. So there's a reason I'm giving us this preamble because we're going to go into something now. And as we go into it, we're going to begin to see things differently from how we have seen it before. Okay? Okay. All right. Yeah. So let's read First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 to 17. Amen? Amen. I'll Amen. read that. I'll read that. And then we can share, the rest of us can share First Corinthians 15, verses 30. 5 to 58 we'll, when we get there. So let's read 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 17 first. I'll read that. This is Paul. He says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. That means those who have died. That ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so then also, sorry, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not precede. That word prevent there means precede. Shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Now, where is the Lord coming from? According to this. Down from heaven. From heaven, correct? It says, you come down from heaven at the word of command. Very good. I want you to please, if you have a pencil and paper, write down, because I know we will forget. Just write down this little phrase. The Lord will descend from heaven. And you write heaven in uppercase. 
for those of you in England, capital letters. You got that? Yes. The next thing I want you to write underneath that is, we shall come from the earth. We shall come up from the earth. And write earth in small letters because it's not there. It's not the word earth isn't used, put there. It just says we shall be caught up. Correct? We shall be caught up. Yep. Obviously from where we are. If we're dead from the grave, if we're in this life from this earth. Then the third and last thing you want to write is, and we shall meet him in the clouds. And we shall meet him in the air. The, so I'm sorry, we shall meet him in the air. Thank you. To meet him in the air. Yeah. So as uppercase. <coughs> A-I-R. Now I have noticed the word clouds is missing from the things I gave you. Correct? Yes. Yes. Sorry, I, I don't know if everybody can hear me. Yes. Yes. Okay, thank you. Yes. The reason clouds is missing is because clouds is not a place, it's the group of people. I'll say that again. Clouds <coughs> is not a place. It's certainly not these clouds in the sky. It's a group of people. Now, for now, please take my word for it. Afterwards, you can go check the scriptures and look for where it talks about the cloud of witnesses. And also in the book of Daniel, it tells you that the, the Son of Man came with the clouds and the angel later on determined the cloud to be the saints of God. Okay? Interpreted for Daniel to be the saints of God. Okay? So you can go to Daniel 7 later on to see the clouds and you can also go to hebrews um i can't remember what chapter it is but in book of hebrews okay you'll see there where it tells you that uh, the clouds are the saints of god okay the cloud of witnesses all right i think that's hebrews 12 okay good all right so based on what we just looked at does anyone want to try to give me your own interpretation of what we just read? Because I'm certain you might have read this a few times before. This is talking about the coming of the Lord. How, how would you describe this? Uh, somebody's asking you, oh, I just read this. What does this mean? How would you describe it to a person? With joy, we should look up and we will behold Jesus coming with a retinue of angels behind him. His feet will be on a cloud. He'll be there with the scepter in his hand to rule 
And we which are alive shall be caught up in the air to be with him. In okay, the now, very good. Which air are you talking about? You're talking about the air that you and I see like in the sky? Yes, right. Yes, we will pass through the, the three heavens. The first heaven will be the air, the atmosphere that we live in right now. Okay. And we shall ascend with him <clears throat> to um, the, the heavenly home of Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit, reign okay. with him a thousand years, and then come back uh, and his feet will touch Jerusalem Okay, wait, wait, so wait, wait a kingdom. second, wait a second. Now, beautiful, I'm glad you said all of these things. Because if you notice, there's a contradiction between what you said and what we just read. Because it says, we shall meet him in the air and be with him forever there. Isn't that what it just says? So shall we ever be with the Lord. Oh, it didn't say anything about coming down to Jerusalem. No, but that's the plan. That's plan B. <laughs> I like that. Okay. <laughs> now, I want to say something, though. This is correct, and you are correct. So how do we reconcile the difference? By faith. No, by understanding. Understanding the word. There you go. And what did we say we used to have understanding of what we see? Our, mind. Our hearts. Our mind. So now if your heart is founded upon what someone else has said, yet they cannot give you scripture, for what they have said, then you and I would be walking on dangerous grounds. So the air spoken about here is not the physical air or heaven. Because it tells us clearly that Jesus is coming down from heaven. Okay? And you rightly said that this air is something spiritual. Okay? Yes. Now, I want you to do me a favor. Who rules in the air right now? Can, someone tell, can someone tell me? Satan, the prince of darkness. Very good. Can you give me a scripture for that? If you have your phone, in case you didn't know how to do this, I want you to search... Google, type in the word Bible, Prince of the Air. You have a phone with you? No. I want you to Google, go to Google, type in the word Bible, Prince of the Air. I'm doing it right now. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2. Very good. So, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2. Can somebody read that for us? Amen. 
Amen. In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. So you see that the air is in this world and it is the place in which Satan rules and motivates people to do the thing they do. Correct? Yes. Yes. <clears throat> so the air is a heavenly realm that controls the things that take place here on earth. Does that make sense now? But for now, yes. Satan is in control of that realm. A time is coming when Jesus will come from above to that air and you shall come up from the earth to meet him in the air. And what will both of you do to the devil? Cast him out. I, I, want, I want to hear somebody. <laughs> Cast him out, exactly. Does, does, is it, does this make sense so far? Yes. Yes. Good. Now, remember the Bible says that there was war in heaven and the dragon and his angels fought and Michael and his angels fought back and the dragon was cast down to the earth. Do you all remember that? Yes. Mm. Yeah. Okay. All right. Looks like we've got to digress a little bit. Let's go to the book of Revelation. Sorry, I don't let me just get the chapter for you. Revelation 12, verse 7 to 12. Revelation 12, verse 7 to 12. Amen. Hold on. Amen. Yes, amen. On my side. Ebola, you got it? Yeah, got it. Okay. Liz? Yes, again. Okay, so it, Revelation 12, verses 7 to 12, uh, 7 to 12, right? Yes. Yeah. Anybody can read. I think, Kay, you got it. Amen. Amen. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not neither was their place found any more in heaven and the great dragon was cast out that old serpent called the devil and satan which deceiveth the whole world he was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him and i heard a loud voice saying in heaven now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God 
and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of the brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the seal uh, and of the sea, for the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. Okay. So you notice something here. The angels who fought against the dragon didn't love their lives unto death. Do you see that in verse 11? Yeah. Yes. Hello, can you see me? Yeah. Yes. Yes. He said, and they overcame him. That's who they overcame the devil, right? By the blood yes. of the lamb. By the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they love not their lives unto death. Mm -hmm. Does this sound like the angels is talking about here? Uh, no. Spiritual angels. The saints of God. Aha. Uh -huh. Now it must be talking about people who are alive. Because only people who are alive can give their life. Can give their testimony. And can give their testimony. Okay? So, what does the name Michael mean? Can anybody tell me? The archangel. Yes, but what does the God. name Michael mean? His name, what does it A mean? A gift from God. It means he who is like God. Okay. By the way, it's my name. <laughs> okay. Now, of course, I have never met any Michael, including myself, who is like God. Okay. But the Michael being spoken about here, he is like God. Every husband who is ahead of a family, and especially to the children and his wife, is as God in their eyes. Okay, okay, I, I can agree with that. If they accept him as God. Amen. Okay? All right. So now, I want you to tie what you just read, the war in heaven that you just read in Revelation to what you read earlier in First Thessalonians where Jesus came down from heaven, you met him in the air, and you already saw in Ephesians that the air is currently inhabited by who? Satan. Satan. Sorry? Satan. Okay. I, I, sorry, Kay. I'm getting an echo from you. Satan. Okay. Very good. I think... I'm going to stop a little bit, so let's talk a little bit. Okay, I don't want to get too far ahead because I would have expected everybody to have said Satan. So it looks like I'm leaving everyone behind somehow. Let's take some questions about what we're talking about, okay? So we can be kind of clear, clear on it. How's that? Okay. Fine. Yes. Good. So I'll just... So before we move on, let's just clear up, you know, some things. We looked at Ephesians where we talked about, it talked about the prince of the power of the air. And 
who works in the children of disobedience. Okay? So we said for him to be prince of the air, he must be living in the air. Correct? Yes. We had earlier said that yes. Jesus was coming down to the air and we were going to meet with him in the air. And if we and Jesus meet in the air and Satan is already there, then it's going down. Correct? Oh, correct. Yeah. But, yes. Good. So there's going to be war because, you know, how do they say it in the West, old Westerns? There's not room in this town for both of us. <laughs> okay. All right. So the imagery that you saw in the book of Revelations is the imagery of what is going to happen when you are going to come up from your emotions, your will, your desires, and your own mind up to the mind of God, to the emotions and feelings of God, to the desires of God, and now you'll be able to dislodge Satan and his power over your family, over your country, over your neighbors, and you'll be able to rule on earth with Christ. Amen. So your going Amen. up in the air is not a physical going up. The air is a spiritual place. You are going to come up, Liz, spiritually, not physically. Should I say that again? Amen. You are going up spiritually, not physically. The air is a spiritual place. It is not a physical place. So the rapture is not going to be a physical event in which you go up into the sky. It is going to be a spiritual experience in which you are caught up into another realm. But it will have, Amen. It will have a physical transformation on your physical body. That's the second part, and that is what 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is all about. But we cannot go there yet until we are settled on the fact that we are referring to a spiritual experience when we talk about being caught up to meet the Lord in the air, when we talk about the war in heaven between Michael and his angels. And you saw there that the angels there that he's talking about are not some spiritual beings in the sky. You saw that they overcame him by the word of their testimony. And you know the angels are not allowed to preach the gospel, correct? Does everybody here know that? Does everybody here know that angels are not allowed to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ? I didn't know. Sorry, sorry. There was an echo. Oh, no, I, I didn't know. Okay, very good. If you remember, in the book, yeah, the angels are not allowed to preach the gospel, okay, because the gospel is preached by the Holy Ghost. And does the Holy Ghost live in angels or he oh. lives in us? In us. in us. Exactly. That's the only basis upon which we can actually preach the gospel. If you remember, the angel came to a man called Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, a very good man that didn't know Jesus. 
And the angel appeared to him and said, God has sent me to you. He has seen that you're a good man and you give so much to the poor. You do all these things. And now he wants you to send for a man called Peter who lives in a town called Joppa. This Peter will tell you what you must do. And guess what? He goes and finds Peter and Peter preaches the gospel to him. And the Bible says before Peter could even baptize him in water, the Holy Ghost baptized the man. Now tell me something. Why didn't the angel just tell the man what the man needed to do? <coughs> He's not allowed to. He's not allowed to. Okay. All right. So I digress over there. So the angels you saw in the book of Revelation, chapter 12, was you, Liz, and the experiences and the things you're going through right now is the war taking place in heaven. Right. Okay. And the decisions and choices you make concerning the experiences you are having are determining whether you're going to win or not. But you are given two things by which the Bible says you will win. The first is the blood of Jesus. And the second is the word of your testimony. Amen. Right? Amen. Yes. And now the question is, what is the word of your testimony? Now, let me answer that question. The difference between the life of the child of God and the life of every other human being is that your life is an oath. What did I say? Our life is an oath. Your life is an oath. Life is an oath. Oath, correct? Like, like, like you swear. That's, your life is an oath. Okay. Yes. Okay. That means you live, you have something related to God, something about God that anybody can, you can compromise anything, but on that one thing, you would rather die. Are you with me? Yes. Now, yes. can I say something to you? There is not one of us here that without Jesus, that the devil couldn't get us to say, I quit, I quit, I quit. Okay. I saw, I saw a YouTube video a couple of days ago. <laughs> Some guy went boxing. I'm sorry, I'm laughing. It was a boxer, you know, a real professional boxer. He got beaten so badly. You know what he said? He told them at the end, he said, I quit. I quit. I'm no longer boxing. <laughs> I've never seen that sort of thing before. Okay. So let me tell you something. Without Jesus, that would be you and that would be me. Okay. That's why it says there that they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. So there's the part that Jesus does and there's the part that you do. Now, do you know why the Bible uses the word testimony? It's a sacred oath. Yes, but the word testimony was used in the Latin and Bible times because 
when you went to court to swear, they didn't give you a Bible to swear. Guess what you had to do? You had to hold your private part. That's where we get the word testes from. I thought you had to, um, to draw blood. No, 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 no. That's a covenant relationship. That's different. That's a, that's a covenant relationship. That's different. But when you went to court to give a testimony, to, to, to give a testimony in court or to say your own side or to be a witness, they would ask you to hold your private power and swear. Women were not allowed was, to do so. That was a pagan, that was a pagan uh, tradition. Yes, 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 yes. That's what I'm, that's, yes, of course. Of course. Jesus told us not to swear, by the way. And Elijah did that. Sorry? When, when he went, when the servant went to find a wife for Isaac, he had to also do that. And yes. That's why we knew that he came from a, a pagan nation. Yes, yes, correct. But where, where we, what we're trying to get at is something that the oath, okay, is your life. If you're a Christian, you, you, you have an oath. So let's take, for example, in my conscience, I've told, I've not told God. In me, I feel it's a sin to eat pork. Right? It, it's unclean. Yeah, that is to me. To me, it is unclean. It's, a, it's, a, it's sinful to do so. And, and I'm really God hungry. It's not to do it. Sorry? God has uh, requested us not to do it. because. No, no, I'm not talking about us now. I'm talking about me. Remember no, what we started off with. This us, this, am, us, this, us, this us understanding needs to go. No, I'm talking about the health laws. Yeah, yeah, but that, that, that's, that's the Old Testament. No, We're that's talk right now. That's right now. No, sorry? No, that, that applies. It's applicable right now, today. Okay, that's... A, that's, that's that is, um, that, let's put that aside for now. Okay. Okay. Let's put that aside for now. Many Christians disagree. So what we have to know is when I stand in front of God, God is going to judge me based on what he has convicted me about. Correct? Whether it's in the Bible or whether it's just outside of the Bible, it doesn't matter, okay? God is not going to say, okay, Mike, I'm glad you're here. I need you to answer for Liz. Is he going to ask me to answer for Liz? Absolutely not. Good. So what we're dealing with now is Liz's personal oath. Liz is so convinced that she should only eat vegetables. Let's just say, Okay. Now, for whatever reason, God has put that in her conscience, okay? Now, imagine I come and I believe that, no, you can eat vegetables, you can eat, you can eat cow, you can eat, you know, whatever. Would it be loving of me to ram cow meat down her throat? Of course not. Are you with me? Yes. For example, yes. the Bible says we shouldn't eat shrimp. 
right? Right. Right. The Bible says we shouldn't eat chicken, right? No. Or turkey. No. The Bible says any bird that walks around, we shouldn't eat. Only birds that fly. And it says any bird that flies at night, we shouldn't eat. Like owls and certain other things. Okay? Now, imagine I don't believe we should eat chicken. And I don't believe we should eat chicken because I read in the Bible that it says any bird that walks around, I shouldn't eat. Okay? Now, whatever it is, I hold that in myself as an oath to God. Are you with me? Yes. yes. Okay. Yes. All right. Now, I feel a sense like maybe we should, we should ad address the ideas that have to do with um, personal conscience versus what we believe. Notice the word we. Remember what I said when we started? That as Christians, we're constantly struggling between what, quote, we believe rather than what I believe. Amen? Amen. So let's take a look at um, the book of Romans. Would you believe that when I flipped my Bible, guess where it went to? Romans. Not just Romans. Romans chapter. To the very chapter I wanted to go to. Chapter and verse. Chapter 14. And verse. We take it from verse 1. There you go. Okay. Amen. Okay. Mm -hmm. And Ebele, can you read for us from verse 1 to... Let's take it from verse 1 to 16. Ebele, you got that? Chapter 14? Yes, verse 1 to 16. All right, okay. Amen. Oh, you know, to make it easy, you can do for, for verse 1 to 8, and then Liz can do 8 to 16. Okay, can you hear me? Loud and clear. Okay, right. Um, okay, so receive one who is weak in faith, but not to dispute over doubtful things. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat, and let not him who does not eat judge him who eats. For God has received him. Who are you to judge another's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day above another, another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord, and he who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks. And he who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat and gives God thanks. 
for none of us lives to himself and no one dies to himself for if we live we live to the lord and if we die we die to the lord therefore whether we live or die we are the lords all right so verse 9 please that is why Christ died and came to life again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. But you, how can you sit in judgment on your brother? Or you, how can you look down on your brother? We shall have to appear before the judgment seat of God. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bend before me and every tongue shall give praise to God. We're going to 16. Keep going? Yeah, we're going to 16. Oh, every peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Every one of us will have to give an account of himself before God. Therefore, we must no longer pass judgment on one another. Instead, you should resolve to put no stumbling block or hindrance in your brother's way. I know with certainty on the authority of Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean itself. It is only when a man thinks something unclean that it becomes so for him. If then your brother feels remorse for the food he has eaten, you have ceased to follow the rule of love. You must not let the food you eat bring a ruin to him, to ruin him for whom Christ died. And neither may you allow your privilege to become an occasion for blasphemy. All right. Okay, Liz, based on what we just read, what would you say about eating unclean foods from the Old Testament? Um, I, I personally think that um, it depends on how the animals are treated and how we care for the food. No, what I no, what I, I mean is, I don't, I don't. What I mean is, I don't. I don't follow. The, I don't follow the Old Testament as what's unclean and what's clean. Okay, what I what I mean is based on what you read. So because it's not just about you. It's not just about you. It's about all of us. Because you remember what he told us. I, I know. I, Sorry. I I think what it's saying is if I think it's what it's saying is if. Some people believe that it's unclean, they should not eat it because they they have an agreement with God that it's unclean. But if I don't have that agreement, it's not up to them to tell me what I am. Or what my there relationship you go. To God. There you go. There you go. Okay. That's and that's the beauty of what Jesus has done for us. Okay. So let's assume I am wrong. And I shouldn't have been eating snakes all this while. Okay. By the way, I don't eat snakes. Okay. <laughs> Let's say I, and I go to God. Now, guess what? Because of Jesus, even though God was upset at me eating all these snakes, but because of Jesus, I'm free. I'm not going to be held to it because my conscience didn't bother me when I was eating all those nice snakes. Okay. So, Yes, go ahead. So this, I guess, will probably apply to, you know, people with different cultures around the world. Some who, Absolutely. Some who were born 
in different faiths, not Christian faith. Well, not we're not talking about faith here now. We're talking about the things you do. Yes. Yeah, so who because have because nobody has a choice not to believe in Jesus. Yeah. So people who've never known any other way of living, and this is the the way they live. This is the things they. So you're eat. talking about believing again. That's no. a different thing. Everybody must believe in Jesus. Mm. We're not. This is not about believing in okay. God. This is about in the things you do. Do you understand? Yeah. There's no option. You must believe in Jesus. It doesn't matter what your religion was, what background you had. That's not talking. About, this is saying that all of us have, um, all of us have. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? All of us have loopholes, weaknesses. Yeah. From every culture that we come from. Yeah. And Jesus will plug will plug that for you and I. Right. Okay. Because that's why he died for us. But each of us individually has a conscience. And our conscience or our oath inside of us tells us, you know. I will not do this. I will never give this up for God. Uh, I'll never give this up because I promised God this is how I'm going to live my life. Another person doesn't think it's of any value to God. Okay? Now, yeah. but when you become more mature in God, look at what verse 15 says. When you become more mature in God, you no longer do things that you feel okay to do if you're around a person who feels it's not okay. All right? Did everybody hear that? Yes. So, so let's take, for example, I love eating snakes. And Abele, you think it's a horrible sin to eat snakes. If I'm mature, what does God say in verse 15 I should do when I'm around you? He says, I shouldn't eat snakes when I'm around you. Correct. <laughs> okay. Mm. And they should try and make you eat. Sorry? Is this oh, and that... they shouldn't try and make you eat. Yes, they should. Yeah, yes. I, I shouldn't try and make you eat snakes, you know, because I know... You know, and I, in fact, there's, if we go further, it says I shouldn't eat snakes around you because we, why don't we go further? Why don't we take it to the end? Ebele, why don't you read it for us from um, verse 17 to the end? Okay. Um, amen. 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 For the kingdom of God is not... Sorry, I'm in... hearing some ruffling in the background. I don't know if you guys can hear it. Somebody, somebody's... Some of these things ruffling, like it's coming up on those things. Sorry, Abele, go ahead. Yep. Okay. Um, amen. amen. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. 
all things indeed are pure, and it is evil for the man who eats with offense. It is good neither to eat meat, nor drink wine, nor do anything by which your brother stumbles, or is offended, or is made weak. Do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves, but he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because he does not eat from faith, for whatever is not from faith is sin. Amen. Amen. Liz, did you see that? Yes. Okay. Does this apply only to food or is it just... Oh, no, not, not just food. No, not just food. Not just food. Not just food. So many things. The way you dress. Okay. <laughs> so if you were to go to a place where they, you know, one, you know, people like to, you know, tie their hair to come into the church, you have Look, to do one, that. One, one, time, one time I was, I was ministering somewhere and a young lady came and she had, she had come to the fellowship the week before, I believe. And she dressed normally, like a normal person. And I think she really enjoyed the fellowship. So the next Sunday, she came again. But she had real short pants. You can't believe what she had on. I'm serious. Not, not what am I saying, pants? Not pants. A skirt. That didn't go like a, whatever. And I saw this little kid who was sitting in front with the mother turn to the mother and go like, you know, with her, look at the mom, like, mom, did you see, you know, like, and at the end, the girl didn't think anything. I feel she might have gone to a party somewhere, really wanted to come to the fellowship. The Couldn't, night before, yes. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. Couldn't get back home in time and really enjoyed that, wanted to be there. And she came. Now she stayed in this fellowship and grew in this fellowship to a point where a guy who came to the fellowship married her and now officiated their marriage, their wedding. Uh oh. Okay. Because over the years, she transformed and became a Christian woman. Amen. I saw this and I wedded her to a husband. They're wedded to this day with children in America. Okay. Okay. Now, <laughs> you know, our attitude towards her could have been so negative that she would never have come back again. All right? But if you've been, Amen. if you cleaned you up of anything, trust me, you won't have time to begin to tell people how bad they are. It's only when God hasn't cleaned you up that you can really be offended by how, you know, dirty people are you might be offended that people don't don't feel bad about their being dirty but you don't get offended at people for being dirty does that does that make sense yes did i make sense to anybody out there apart from k say it again yes i'm i'm, I'm never going to be offended at a person for being dirty but i will be offended at a person who's dirty and doesn't want to doesn't feel that they're dirty in other words you could be doing something wrong but you you should feel man i i don't want to do this right you don't celebrate it you don't yeah ads you know 
to celebrate it. Okay? Worst of all, you don't try to, you know, force it down other people's throats. So anyway, that's, that's a digression. But good question. It's not just food. And I'm glad you said that because a lot of times what Paul is referring to are principles. But he will use certain things as principles. So it's a great question, Billy. Is this really just about food? No, it's not just about food. Okay? It's okay. about things that people hold. You know, some of your values come from your culture and your background. Okay? And the, if there is no clear word from God saying, I'm against this. Do you understand? We're talking of in the New Testament now. Be careful about going to the Old Testament to find things that God is against. Because the laws in the Old Testament were given to a particular culture and people. It wasn't given to mankind. Are you listening to me? <laughs> yes. They were given Amen. to a nation of people called Israel. And in that nation, they had 12 tribes. And one of those tribes was supposed to be the priesthood or give the priesthood for the other 11 tribes. That tribe was called the tribe of Levi. Now, Jesus Christ came from a tribe called Judah. The tribe of Judah had no right to be priests. Is that not so? Yes. Amen? Yes. Amen. Jesus, Amen. the Bible says Jesus is our high priest. If Jesus is our high priest, it means he must be a priest after a different set of laws. Because the job of the priests was to ensure that the laws were kept. Under the law of Levit uh, the Levitical law of Moses, Jesus did not have any right to be a priest. So from that, you know that the laws for the priesthood that Jesus represents are different from the laws of the Levites. The Bible refers to the Levitical law as the law of sin and death. But it refers to the laws of Jesus Christ as the laws of the spirit of life. Amen? Amen. Amen. The Old Testament Amen. laws put a demand on you the New Testament gives you a promise. So while in the Old Testament, God said, thou shall not steal. In other words, if you steal, you're dead. In the New Testament, God says, I bless you. And if you used to steal, you shall not steal. Do you see the difference? Yes. In the Old Testament, God yeah. said, honor your father and mother. He was asking you to do so. In the New Testament, God says, you will honor your father and mother. You know, I will do things in your life that will make your mother and father proud of you. Do you see the difference? Amen. I could teach Amen. on this part, but this thing I just said to you is the fundamental difference between the law of the Old Testament and the law of the New Testament. The law of the New Testament comes to make you what God would have you be. The law of the Old Testament comes to demand from you what God would have you be, which you have actually no hope of ever doing on your achievement on your own. 
That's why Jesus said, do not think I came to abolish the law. I came to fulfill it. Where? In my life. So, but you will not honor your father and mother if you didn't know that thou shalt honor thy father and mother was a promise from God to you. You always thought it was God demanding that you honor your father and mother, correct? Yes. Today is the first day you ever knew that thou shalt honor thy father and mother is actually a promise from God in the New Testament, not a demand. Amen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh yes. Thou shalt not steal. In the Old Testament, was God telling you not to steal? In the New Testament, it's a promise from God that whatever problem you used to have before concerning stealing, you're not going to have that problem anymore by the time I'm done with you. I'm going to make you a better man. I'm going to make you a better woman. Are you with me? Yes. Because you have received Amen. Christ. And once you receive Christ, you receive the capacity to be everything God demanded morally. You'll have to make a separation, a distinction in the Old Testament between the moral laws and the spiritual, and sorry, and the um, ceremonial laws. Okay? Mm. For example, don't eat pork is a ceremonial law. It's not a moral law. Thou shalt not kill is a moral law. It can never be wiped away. So when Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law, he wasn't referring to the ceremonial laws because the ceremonial laws came in after they came out of Egypt. But the moral laws existed before even Moses was born. Why did Moses run away from Egypt? He was convicted. Because he killed somebody. Right. There was no Ten Commandments saying thou shalt not kill, but the moral law thou shalt not kill already existed. Yep. In heaven. God almost king Abimelech. Why? Because he was about to take Abraham's wife. Right? Yes. And God came to him in the dream and says, you're almost a dead man. I said, hey, God, I didn't know. He said it was his sister. Right? Yes. So there was no moral yes. law that we had. There was, sorry, there was no law written to the Israelites at that time. So the moral laws of God existed before the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are not new laws. It's like honor your father and mother. Honor your father and mother was there before the Ten Commandments were given. Am I making sense now? Yes. Yeah. Yes. The New Testament has no quarrel with the moral laws of God. In fact, they are promises from God of what your life will be. The ceremonial laws are dependent on your own personal nuances and culture and background. My mother comes from a nation where they eat snails. My father comes from a nation where they consider snails to be an abomination. Well, guess what? I love snails. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So, so, so that's my personal choice. Okay. So, mm. so let all these, these, oh, by the way, God says don't eat snails, by the way, <laughs> in the Old Testament. All right. Okay, well, let's just finish. Let's just stay with part one for this week, okay? Let's not go into Corinthians because Corinthians was going to talk about um, 
what will happen when we're caught up, okay? So that's 1 Corinthians 15. We can leave 1 Corinthians 15 for next week or some other time, all right? But I'll stop here. And if there are any questions about what we've spoken about, I'd love us to, you know, go over them quickly and then we can pray and close. Yeah, I have a question. Sure. So when, when you say uh, when uh, Jesus comes in the air from heaven and then we go up into the air to yes. meet him, yes. uh, this is the spiritual air, and yes. then devil who's currently occupying that realm will right be now, yes. cast, out, cast out into the well, to the earth. Yes. Now, I take this to mean that when the devil is then cast out to the earth, the devil will then dwell on the earth with the people who rejected Jesus, who never, who didn't go up into the air to meet him. Is that what this means? That he's going yes. to be here with them? And then is, that, is this what they mean when they say the people that are left behind are going to go through um, so much yeah. difficulty? Okay. No, no, that very good question. We are not physically leaving the earth. Yes, I'm spiritual, yes. The earth that is referred to there is a mm. spiritual realm. Mm -hmm. Okay, if it wasn't, then the devil couldn't, couldn't inhabit it. The devil can't inhabit the physical world. Mm -hmm. Okay, the earth that is spoken about there is a physical realm. Okay, like um, you have feelings, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That's, a, that's a, a quality of your soul. Is that not so? Mm -hmm. You have desires. That's a, that's, that's, a, that's a quality of your soul, correct? Yeah. What was your soul made from? Let's turn to Genesis chapter Let's turn to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. I'm sorry. Um, Genesis chapter 2. Chapter 2. Okay. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Amen. Amen. And the Lord and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. You see that the soul and the earth are the same thing. Are you with me? Yes. Yes. The soul, you just said it right there. God formed man from dust and breathed his life into man and this dust became alive. This dust is the earth. But what is, what is man? Your feelings, emotions, desires, will. That's what you are, those four things. Okay? So when it says Satan was cast down to the earth, it means he came and possessed the emotions, 
the feelings, the desires, the will and the mind of people, but he couldn't take the will and mind and emotions and desires of Liz and Abele and Kay and me and others. Okay? Okay. How hard does life have to be, Abele, for you to take a gun now and go to 7-Eleven and start robbing because you want to feed your child? You're not going to do it. Mm. Why? Because you live a life of an oath. You will cry to God. You will do everything you can. But you're not going to go to the store and kill somebody to feed your child. Mm -hmm. But when Satan comes down to earth, if you are not in Christ, you will do it. That is the great tribulation that we're expecting to come. Yes, so that's the difficulty, as in the people that will be left after the rapture. There's no rapture. We will still be here going through the same thing, but overcoming. People right. overcome by the events, but you will mm. be here and overcome the events. I see. Okay. Okay. Because you'll be on a high. Right. Liz, does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Okay. You'll be here, but you'll be on a high. Almost okay. like you're not here. Okay. But when you see part two, when we study part two, which is 1 Corinthians 15, you will see that your physical body would have transformed. Mm. That's what it says in 1 Corinthians 15, which we cannot look at today. And you can yeah. look at that when we hang up. You will see that your physical body will be transformed. So you will not be subject to Satan when he's thrown down to earth. Okay. All right. Any more questions? Another question? I have a comment, Brother Mike. Yeah, sure, sure. Go ahead. That maybe um, people should look at Matthew 24, verses 40 to 42 at home. Okay. You want to read okay. it to us? Yes. Matthew 20, chapter 24, verses 40 to 42. And this is the words of Jesus. Then shall two be taken in the field. The one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord doth come. Okay. When you read that, it's really important to read what comes next because the disciples ask him, where will they be taken to? Yes, okay. And he responds by saying, wherever the dead bodies are, there the vultures shall be. So the people on the bed who are taken are taken to a bad place. Unfortunately, a lot of Christians stop at the place you just stopped at and that when they read, they say, ah, there's the evidence that we're going to leave this world. No, read further. It tells you where they're being taken to is a place of destruction. In fact, when you read the Bible, the New Testament, that what you just read in Greek, the original language, it, the word taken away is paralambado. You ever lambasted someone before or ever been lambasted by someone? Yes. Very good. Para means to carry. Lambado means to destroy. So to be carried to destruction. 
Okay? Okay. That is what is put so nicely there in Amen. English, taken away. When you have a strong concordance, you can go look up what I just said. So the good guy is the person who is left in the field. The good guy is the person who is left in the bed. The bad guy is the one that's taken away by the flood. During the time of Noah, the flood came and took them all away. Paralambado. That's, that's what you read. I think you can read the same thing in Matthew, in, in Luke and Mark, I believe. Or Luke, I know. I know. Okay. So I solicit your prayers. I solicit your support. Okay, I want to thank you for your time. For those of you who have been faithful, you know, uh, supporting this work, for being involved, sharing these videos. Okay, don't be, don't, don't, don't get weary. Don't be weary. Don't get tired. Your strength is supposed to come brighter and brighter every day. Okay, keep pressing on. Share these videos with your family and friends. Start watch parties on Facebook over these videos so your friends and family can discuss it. Okay, and continue to write us. Write me through Facebook. Write me through you know the, the comment section here on YouTube. Okay, so I want to encourage you. Thank you so much for the way you've been supporting us. Thanks so much for all that you've been doing. We really appreciate it. Remember what I said. If you want to continue listening to us, buy order. You can always go. Okay, to our website. You can see the online radio channels that you can get us through, like I mentioned um, Apple's iTunes, I met Apple iTunes, I mentioned um, Spotify, and I think Google. You can also, you know, there are other platforms also through which you can hear us through audio, okay? I want to encourage you to subscribe to our channel and to, you know, hit the like buttons. Hit the like buttons. I can't say that enough. Every time you want these videos through YouTube, hit the like buttons. Now, if you're watching through Facebook or you're watching through some other video like WhatsApp, it's not going to show here, so we'll be able to see your like. But if you're watching through YouTube, I want to encourage you. Or Facebook, wherever it is, I want to encourage you. Hit that like button. Okay? Hit that like button. It matters to us. Okay? Thank you so much for your support. Thank you so much for everything that you've been doing, you know, by watching our videos. Okay? In the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be on the road, but wherever I am, I'm going to be broadcasting from there, so the broadcast is still going to keep going, okay? So thank you so much, everybody. God bless you. See you soon.